wonderful. Stand up on your feet. Remain standing, if you will. Please put your best hand clap together for Pastor Mike and Jeannie Ware. You may be seated. This is one of my favorite hymns. You may not know the history of that hymn, but a man from Great Britain came to America and immigrated to start a business. A number of months later, he sent for his family, his wife, and his children. On their journey across the Atlantic Ocean, the ship sank, and all that was precious to him went down on those cold, icy waters of the Atlantic, and he wrote that song. Isn't that tremendous? Tremendous. God's so good. So good. Hallelujah. You know, you're talking about horses. You know, Jeannie and I have horses. And somebody asked me, they said, uh, do you have cows? I said, no. He said, well, you can't call yourself a cowboy. If you have horses, you don't have cows. You can't call yourself a cowboy. People that have horses and no cows, they're not cowboys. They're jockeys. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, open your Bibles. Matthew chapter 11. Matthew chapter 11. I believe if we're going to move to the next level, I'm talking about the next spiritual level in life. You've got to move to the next faith level of life. Okay, now wait a minute. This church is moving to the next level. I don't know if you know this or not, but uh, there's some stirring in the house. And I believe God is trying to stir this church up to another level. For this church, which means you are the church, if you're going to go to the next level, your faith has to get stirred to the next level because anybody can live an ordinary, plain life. Isn't that true? Okay, I wrote this down. I want you to listen to this real carefully. To the average comes the ordinary. To the mediocre comes the usual. To the common comes the routine. To the indifferent comes the everyday. To the cautious comes the limited. To the unexceptional comes the unremarkable. And to the acceptable comes the satisfactory. Now, I don't believe that what I just read to you describes... At least in the words of God, I don't believe that describes or God's description of what a Christian is. I don't think that's what God had in mind when he invited you into his arms, into his world, into his, into his life, into, into his inheritance. I don't think that's how he describes you and me because God is the God of the impossible, the impractical, the irrational, Amen. and he's looking for a people that will believe in a God the same way that he can do the impossible, he can do the irrational, he can do the impractical. He's looking for a people like that. And if you and I are that people, we won't stay at the level we're at. We're going to go to another level. That's what I want to do. I don't know about you. And I think tonight we need to quit lying to ourselves. You know, we talk about having faith and all this kind of stuff and faith in God, faith in his word, faith in his promises, faith in his power. But we're really living some pretty uneventful lives. Hello? And, and I think sometimes we fake our faith. We've faked it so long that we think, we think the routine and the normal and the ordinary is ordinary and routine for us. That should be kind of what the Christian life is all about. I'm sorry, I don't believe that way. Some people, they say they have faith, but they really are, they've quit trying to have real faith in God. And if you're not really daring God for the impossible, you're sleeping through your Christian life. And I don't think, again, that's what God had planned for you and I. And I think... When you start looking at people in the Bible, and I know you read your Bible, which is great, but when you see them and you read about them, 
Does your life compare to anything to their life at all? You know, God moved for them, and you saw the power of God, the hand of God, the mighty wind of God. God would turn the sun back in the sky. He would part the seas. He would do all these kind of things, feed them with manna, give them great deliverances and all those kind of things. And you and I are living some lives that are not anything like the people we see in the Bible. There's a huge disparity between their lives and our lives. Why do you think that is? Why? Why do you think it is? Because I really believe those people had a faith in God that we don't have. You see, we don't need a faith in God when we can go to the Internet and get all our information. We can go to WebMD to figure out what's wrong with us. When we can go take a pill out of our medicine cabinet. When we can rely on the government to meet our our least little needs in our life because if we can't do it ourselves. Look, those people didn't have the government to turn to. They didn't have the Internet to turn to. They couldn't go to Google to get it. They actually had to go to God to get it. They actually had to trust God that when they prayed that God would hear them. They actually had to trust God that when they called out to Him that He would move on their behalf and heal their bodies and bless them in their lives. They actually had to trust God. They had a level of faith that was really ordinary, and we have a level of faith that is so far below ordinary, and we wonder why we're not living this greater spiritual life. And you don't have to do anything to be plain and ordinary. But if you're sick of it, If you're sick of the ordinary, if you're sick of the plain, if you're sick of all that kind of stuff, I believe it's time to take it up a notch. That's what I believe in my heart. I believe God wants you to get extreme. I think, you know what the word extreme means? It means so far above average, it means not usual. I think you and I need to have some extreme faith, some uncommon faith, some unordinary faith. Because you got ordinary stuff. You're doing real good at the ordinary stuff. But I believe God wants to take you to another level. He wants you to take it up some notches. We need some faith on steroids. We need to get some pumped up faith, some Arnold Schwarzenegger kind of faith. We need to find and discover that God is the God of the impossible. And he's looking for a people even tonight that will say, Lord, I really believe you'll do this. And Lord, I'm really going to trust that you will. I mean, even Jesus knew that there were times when we need extreme faith. In fact, he really challenged us with this in Matthew 11, verse 12. He says, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. You ever read that verse? You kind of read through it, and you don't even pay much attention to it, but he says, the kingdom of heaven uh, uh, suffers violent, and the violent take it by force. Now, what is the kingdom of heaven? Because the kingdom of heaven is a place in Revelation 21 where it says there's no more crying, no more tears, no more dying, no more sorrow, no more sorrow, no more past. That's what the Bible says. Uh, In in Romans 14, it says, the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. You know, you start thinking about what the kingdom of God is. It is everything that God is. It's it's peace. It's, It's grace. It's kindness. It's all of those kinds of things where we have health and strength and power and freedom uh, uh, over all the demon power that exists around us. That's what the kingdom of God is. It says the kingdom of God suffers violence, but it's the violent that take the kingdom of God, and they take it by force. The kingdom of God, God suffers violence, and the violent, the word violent means a forcer. There's got to be someone that comes and for Look, we're not trying to force it out of God's hand. We're trying to get it away from the devil who has it in his hand. Because God's not trying to withhold anything from you. He's trying to release it to you. And we, we, we always blame God. Well, God just didn't come through. Well, how do you know God wouldn't come through? Maybe it was the enemy that was holding it back. 
But you just had plain, ordinary faith that didn't stir God, didn't stir you, didn't move God, didn't move you. And I don't know if you're getting this or not, but many things of the kingdom of God don't come by accident. They come because somebody is spiritually motivated to take it up a notch or two, and to, uh, somebody that will become spiritually violent and forceful, somebody that is willing to force it to come, somebody that's willing to stand in faith and not give up and not give in and not back down. Jesus said it takes some extreme faith to take it by force. Now, I want to read this same verse to you out of the Amplified Bible. I love how it reads through here, so I want you to listen real carefully because it kind of expands that simple one line that Jesus said. Here's what it says. And from the days of John the Baptist until the present times, the kingdom of heaven has endured a violent assault, and violent men seize it by force as a precious prize. The kingdom of God is a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. I love this because it should describe what you and I as believers ought to be doing, that we have a share in the heavenly kingdom which must be sought for with an ardent zeal and with intense exertion. You know what he's saying? You've got to have some, something other than ordinary faith. Something other than average faith. I don't know about you. I want a share in the kingdom of God. And I know that share of the kingdom of God is just not going to fall out and hit me while I'm sitting there in that chair in a church service. But it's going to come when I decide in my own heart that I'm going to get more violent with it. I'm going to seize it. I'm going to grab hold of it. I'm not going to let it go in the name of Jesus. And that's what's going to happen for you also. Jesus said the kingdom of God has endured violent assaults. And violent men take it by force. I don't know about you, but that sounds pretty extreme. See, we're talking about extreme faith tonight. You know, I think about those four lepers in the book of Kings. Four lepers. Let me just kind of give you the story. They were in Samaria. The Syrian army had sieged Samaria. They had surrounded it for months now. The people were dying. No food left. That's how sometimes they would win battles. Pretty easy. Just surround the city. Don't let anybody in or out. After they run out of food, they'll either give up or die. That's what was happening in this city. It was dire. It was bleak. It was dark. There had already been many people who had already died. And here are these four lepers. They were in this city. And here's what they said, 2 Kings 7, verse 3. It's, it's, It's so cool. They said, why sit we here till we die? Let us arise and go. Four lepers, incurable disease. They're going to die if they stay. They're going to die if they go. And they just kind of get this audacious faith, this bold, extreme faith saying, why are we going to sit here and die? They said, why don't we arise and go? And those four men got up, left that city somehow, and began to march toward that Syrian army. And when they got there, can I tell you what happened when they got there? When they arrived, nobody was there. God had caused that army to hear the sound of galloping hooves. And in the night, the Syrian army thought it was Israel attacking them at night, and they dropped everything, food, clothing, gold, silver, swords, weapons, tents, all kinds of clothing, everything. They dropped everything, and they fled for their lives. And here are those four lepers who suddenly found themselves in this wealth, in this prosperity, in all the blessing they could ever think of, all because they got audacious, all because they got extreme, all because they were willing to do something that was not ordinary. Can I tell you, Pastor, this church is going to have to do something that's not ordinary. 
you're going to reach Alaska, can't be the same old, same old. You have to stir it up, shake it up. Why sit there in your sickness tonight? Why sit there in your affliction? Why sit there in your poverty or your lack or in your darkness? Why sit there having your little pity party that you have every week? Why don't you do like these four men who were covered in this affliction and say, why sit here until we die? Why don't we just take a chance and see what God will do? What have you got to lose? You've already lost it. What have you got to lose? I'm telling you, that's extreme. You know, let me just address this real quickly because I believe God presents everybody with the same exact opportunity. That's what I think. You know, tonight everybody's hearing the same message. Everybody's getting the same seed that's sown. It's interesting to me when I go to churches or even in my own church, I would preach and somebody would be sitting in a chair and they would say, praise God, hallelujah. They got it. I mean, they came the next week, next month. I mean, their life was just blooming and blossoming. And the person sitting right next to them saying, you know, I don't get anything out of this church. I just don't learn anything. What? It's the same seed. You know what the problem is? The seed fell on wrong ground, hard ground, worldly ground. Oh, it may have sprouted for a day or two or for a week or two, but it didn't produce anything. Same seed. Can I tell you right now, everybody in this house is getting the same seed. Somebody will end up getting something out of this tonight. Others will say amen, and you'll forget all about it. you say, oh, he was a good speaker. He's cool. He's debonair. He's handsome. No, that's a, that's a stretch. I understand. Now I know you won't remember it. <clears throat> but why is it that some people that will be here tonight will get this and something will happen in their life, freedom, deliverance, breakthroughs, miracles, whatever it might be that you're seeking God for in your life, and others won't? Does, is God, I mean, does he go kind of long here and says, I love you, I love you not, I love you, I love you not. Do you think that's what God does? I don't think so at all. I think God is trying to give you this word, this seed tonight, and it will be those who seize it. See, the difference between those that have and those that have not are those that seize it and those who analyze it. Now, you can sit here and analyze it tonight, or you can decide that you're going to seize it. You can run with it. You can grab it. You can go with it. You know, some of you, some of you, if you waited for perfect conditions, some of us need perfect conditions before we do anything. Some of you, if you waited for perfect conditions, you'd never come to church. And I know if you waited for perfect conditions, you'd never go to work. Isn't that right? So tonight, we all have the same opportunity. We have all the same benefits, the same gifts, the same promises, the same spirit. Tonight, we're hearing all the same word. God is not a respecter of persons tonight. And the difference between those who have and those who have not will be those who seize and those who seize not. See, the kingdom of heaven suffers violence, but it's those who seize what God has for them. You're not going to seize with ordinary faith. You're not going to seize with average faith. You're going to have to take it up a notch. The difference between people living within the promises of God and those who don't, simply one thing, those who take and grab hold of the opportunity and those who had extreme faith and those who did not, those who were focused, who were firm, who were, who were faithful. So how do you do that? How do you have this kind of faith that I'm talking about tonight? Because we're already good at the ordinary faith. We're, we're pretty good at this. But how do we take it to the next level? Okay, you ready? Here it is, number one. 
determined to fight to the end. Determined to fight. To the, see, you have, you've got the fight to the beginning of faith, but you don't always have the fight to the end of faith. Does that make sense what I just said? I mean, we have the fight to the beginning attitude, but we don't have the fight to the end kind of attitude. Most quit when they get weak and when they get tired, when they get worn out. Most quit when they run out of natural strength and they never discover to tap into this supernatural, unending strength and power that God has for their life. You see, when I run out of my strength, that's the perfect time for me to say, oh God, I need your strength. That's the time for me to get past my ordinary faith and start jumping into some extreme faith. But most of us, when we get tired and worn out, we just say, well, I guess it's not God. And we don't press it. Look, the kingdom of God suffers violence. It's the forster. It's the one who seizes it. Who, who, who wants that prize, that share of God's inheritance, those who grab hold of it. And it doesn't come to those who just kind of ordinarily walk around in life. I mean, I mean, there's always incredible results when you have some extreme faith. Remember Jehoshaphat, great king of Israel? Problem was they had a battle. They lost a lot of men. Most were wounded. Many had died. And now they find themselves surrounded by five armies, five nations, five kings, it's over. I mean, they don't have, they don't have anybody to fight. Might, might as well just surrender. He calls a fast, and they begin to pray. And the word of the Lord came. And, and the word of the Lord came to Jehoshaphat, and he said, put together a choir. He said, can anybody sing here in Israel? I believe the Lord says, we need a choir. We need to sing. And people begin to volunteer. They said, I can sing. I'll be in the choir. And he lined them up, and they began to sing praises to the Lord. And he said, okay, here's the second thing God said. We're getting ready to go out to battle, and we're going to sing our way to the battle. And they were all excited and cheering, particularly those in the choir, because they knew they would be back in the back. But he said, there's a problem. All of you in the choir are supposed to go out ahead of all of us. Those in the choir took a lot of faith to be able to walk out in front. Isn't that right? You know the story, they came to the battleground and they were singing praises unto God. That's extreme faith to go to battle just singing a song with no weapons and no warriors. And God showed up. I'm telling you, God will show up. If you have extreme faith, there will be some extreme results. I'm telling you, they won a mighty battle that day because there's a God that's waiting for a people who will not be ordinary. Man, come on, Jesus. I think about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The three Hebrew boys, Nebuchadnezzar made this great statue. Of course, the memo went out, the email went out, the text messages went out. Everybody got them. When the sound of the trumpet comes first, gather in this big field. When the sound of the trumpet, everybody bows down. I mean, it seemed like a million people had come. Everyone from all of that world, part of the world came. The trumpet sounded. The masses and the multitudes bowed down, and there was three men Somewhere out in the mass of the crowd, the king saw, said, who, is those, who are those people out there? He called for them. He found out they were some of his own guys that were in his school of wisdom, if you will. He said, didn't you get the text message? He said, when the, when the horns sound, you know, doot, doot, you're supposed to bow down and worship my image. He said, I'm going to give you another chance. So guys, blow the horns. They blew the horns. The guys just stood there. He said, he said that's it. He said, if you don't bow to any sign, I'm going to build this fire. I'm going to throw you in this fire. You know what those young men said? They weren't ordinary, average young men. They said, King, we don't even need to pray about this. We're not bowing down. We're not giving in. They said, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us. 
And whether he does or not, we're still not bowing down. They blew the trumpet. They didn't bow down. They threw him in the, you know the story. The king looks in there and he sees, he said, didn't we just throw three in there? He said, but I count four and the fourth is like unto the son of God. You don't get that by being ordinary. Ordinary faith never has that. By the way, a whole nation changed because he saw the Son of God dancing in that fire. Listen, when you have extreme faith, there's extreme results. Think about David, the little boy, the young boy, who goes to fight the giant. You know, I've read that account so many times, preached from it so many times. It's one of my favorite stories, like I'm sure yours. And in uh, no place in the Bible do you find David ever backing down. Now listen, when he came to the battlefield, all the other warriors were fleeing and running. He said, he said, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? And he said, what should be done for the man that kills him? He says, well, we were told that you get to marry the king's daughter. And it started, you know, giving him all the benefit. He said, shoot, that sounds like a pretty good deal to me. <laughs> Saul tried to put his armor on him. That was untested. David said, I don't need that. I just need a rock. You know, all you need in your life is a rock. The rock. I'm not talking about the wrestler. I'm talking about Jesus, the rock. You know that story. Goliath threatened him. He's going to kill him, tear him apart, feed his flesh to fowls of the air, birds of the air, beasts of the field. And Goliath began to run toward him. David didn't back down because he had extreme faith. He said, today, Today, Israel will know that there is a God. And he ran toward the giant and with a rock killed him. Come on, with extreme faith comes extreme results. See, that doesn't come to the average and the ordinary. That's why I want to challenge you tonight. God wants you to take it up a notch. He wants you to experience the kingdom of God Righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Ghost. Power, presence, anointing, grace, a different kind of mercy, prosperity, power. He wants you to experience no more crying, no more tears, no more dying, no more past. He wants you to experience forgiveness like you've never. It's not going to happen with the ordinary. But through the extraordinary, extreme faith never gives up. It never backs down. It never lays down. It never stops. It never quits. Extreme faith is determined to fight to the end. Fight to the end. Anybody can quit, but can anybody keep fighting? That's my question. I've only quit one time in my whole life. I was in the eighth grade. That's the only time I've ever quit anything in my whole life. Played basketball. I was a good basketball player. We were playing in a game, and the coach, we were about 20 points ahead. He didn't put me in the game. I got so upset, got so, got so mad, I quit the team. You know, our team went on to win the city championships, got in the newspaper, the yearbook, but my picture wasn't in there. It's because I quit. I hadn't quit anything since that time. You ask my wife, I'm going to press in. I'm going to have some extreme faith. We're going to hold on, hang in there, not back up, not back down, not quit. We're not going to do any of those kinds of things. What do you think God's moved by, passionate faith or weak faith? Which one? Do you think he's, he's moved by raging faith or timid faith? Do you think he's moved by extreme faith or by cautious faith? You see, I believe sitting in this sanctuary tonight 
or people that are extreme. That's what I believe, Pastor. They wouldn't be here on a Sunday night if they weren't extreme. I can tell you that. You're not the ordinary people. It's faith that's passionate and raging and, and extreme that's determined, that ter, uh, that ter, determined to fight to the end and not give up. Here, let me ask you this. If your faith is not moving you or inspiring you, do you think it's going to move or inspire God? Extreme faith says, I can't do it without you, Father. Extreme faith says, I'm not going to give up. Lord, you promised. Lord, I just read it in your word. Lord, I don't see it. I don't know how it's going to come, but I'm not giving in. I'm not backing down. Lord, if I die trusting you, I die trusting you. But I'm not giving in. And I'm not giving up. It's when you recognize that you cannot win in this world alone. It's when you can find faith that's extreme enough to be determined to win. Let me give you the second thing that you need to have. I'm giving, I'm giving you some tools now in your tool belt so that you can find some faith that's not ordinary, but that's extreme. Number two, decide to persevere beyond adversity. You've got to learn to persevere. You know, it says in Proverbs 24, 10, it says, if you faint in the day of adversity, your strength is small. I have thought about that so many times because like you, I have faced so much adversity. And sometimes we throw in the towel and we quit because it's so hard. But if you, if you faint in the day of adversity, then you don't have great strength. You have small strength. Do you think small strength gets big things? I don't believe so. Do you think small faith gets big things from God? I don't think so. God loves and rewards persistence and perseverance. Proverbs says, see this man who's diligent. He said he'll stand before kings and not mean men. He's talking about people that don't give up. Jesus said those that put their hands to the plow and don't look back. He said if they look back, they're not fit for the kingdom of God. In other words, you can't go back. You've got to keep moving forward. You've got to keep pushing in. You can't give up. You can't quit. You can't back down. You've got to be persistent. You have to persevere. I'm talking about what it takes to get this kind of faith that takes you to the next level. Some of you are giving up too soon. You need to hang in there like a hare in a biscuit. Anybody ever seen a hair in a biscuit? I mean, you can twirl that thing around. I preached a message on how to hang in there like a hair in a biscuit. It's a great message. <clears throat> if you're going to persevere in the day of adversity, you want some of this kind of faith we're talking about? You've got to hang in there like that hair. Man, I'm hungry now. Come on, Jesus. Remember the woman in Luke 18? says men ought to pray always and not cease. He's talking about perseverance. The woman who had been done wrong by somebody, she went to the judge to avenge her of her enemy, and the judge ignored her. She kept coming and kept coming and kept coming. One of the Bible translations, the judge finally gave in. He said, I'm so tired of this woman knocking on my door. She is wearing me out. That's how it reads. She's wearing me out. She had some perseverance. She had fur on her, if I can use that term. I mean, you've got to have a little fur on you in this world. Have some fortitude on you if you're going to have some extreme faith. You can't give up so quickly. She kept coming and coming until she was avenged of her enemies and those who did her wrong. Everything God had, listen, I want you to grab hold of this because 
Because everything that God has for you is in front of you. He's trying to get you to move forward. He can't get you to move forward if you're living in ordinary faith because you'll just sit there and just say, well, I just hope God will do something for little old me. I'm just a little worm crawling through this world. I'm stuck in this little apple, and I don't know how in the world I'll survive. God is saying, take that little hat off your head. Throw away that little thing. Your little party thing. Get rid of that little pity party thing and stand up. Be like men. Be like women of God. Realize you have a God that has not left you, who will defend you, who will bless you, who will free you if, if you have a little perseverance and you seize the kingdom of God and the inheritance he has for you. You'll never get what God has ahead of you if you keep looking back to find it. Boy, that'll preach right there. You'll never get what's ahead of you if you keep looking back to try to find it. Everything I need from God is not there, it's there. That's why I have such vision. That's why I'm so passionate about where I'm at in this world and where I'm at in life because all my blessings aren't behind me. They're all in front of me. The things of God that I haven't experienced yet aren't back there. They're here. And I won't get them if I'm just sitting there not persevering. Are you getting anything out of this? Come on, Jesus. Paul said, this thing I do, forgetting those things which are behind, I press toward the mark for the prize of the Lord Jesus Christ. What's he talking about? He's talking about I'm going to hang in there. I'm not giving up. There's a verse we like to use when things get tough because Paul had been shipwrecked a number of times, beaten, left for dead, in perils within and without. It goes, this whole, it goes through a whole dissertation, a litany of things there in Corinthians about what he went through. He had, he had 40 assassins trying to kill him. And he says, but this is light affliction here for a moment. That's how he looked at things. You know why? Because he had extreme faith. It's not going to last long. All things work together for good to them that love God. So you've got to be willing to be persistent and persevere in adversity. Extreme faith always pursues beyond, pushes beyond what looks impossible. It never quits. When things get tough, faith gets tougher. A righteous man falls seven times, but what does he do? He arises. And I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you, I'm 62, so let me tell you, let me tell you what I've learned about the Christian life in about a sentence or two. Would that be okay? Pretty simple. You know, winning battles in life is not necessarily knowing what to do. It's just showing up. That's what I've learned. You see, the devil keeps knocking me down. I just keep getting back up. He says, I thought I knocked him down. He's back up. I'll knock him down again. He looks back and says, I thought I knocked him down. He keeps getting back up. You see, I may not know how to win all the battles, but I keep showing up. That's called perseverance. That's why I'm not living in the ordinary life. I'm not living in the ordinary faith life, the ordinary Christian life. I'm not going to do it. Think about Isaac who was in, the, in, the, um, in a place of famine, Genesis 26, and there he is, and everybody's leaving, going to Egypt to buy food and trying to survive. And during the midst of that, God says, plant in the famine. That seems ridiculous, I know. Nobody's planting anything. Trees are dying. Cattle are dying. Sheep are dying. Goats are dying. There's no food. There's no forage. And God says, plant seed. 
And Isaac had enough perseverance and, and something that was not ordinary in his faith to say, all right, God, I'll do it. Amen. And the Bible said that he planted in the famine, and that year he received a hundredfold return. Listen to this. He became so wealthy because of that one thing that Abimelech the king feared him and asked him to leave the country. Now, wait a minute. That's not the end of this story because it's pretty cool. It gets pretty cool after this. So now he and all of his herdsmen and all of his cattle and all of the things that he has, you know, they're now leaving this land. And when you have all of those possessions, you've got to have some water, don't you? When there's a famine, there's no rain. Isn't that right? There's no water. And the Bible says that he went and he digged the well of his father, Abraham. He found the place where his father, Abraham, had dug a well. They redug that well, and they found water. Hallelujah. But the problem was there were other people in that region that came and fought them for the well, and they lost the water of the well. And so now he's kind of going through the wilderness, and he finds another place where Abraham, his father, dug a well, and they redug that well. What did they find? They found water. Hallelujah. But people came and contended and fought for that. And they had to leave. Listen, if it was you and I with ordinary faith, we'd have said, well, I guess it must not be God's will. But no, Isaac was not an ordinary man. He, wasn't, he didn't have ordinary faith. He went to another place and dug a third well, and when he did, they found water. And they were refreshed and renewed. And the reason why that happened is because he persevered beyond adversity. You know, I've got some healthy advice for you today. If you're facing some adversity and you feel like everything you work, you've been working for just keeps slipping out of your hands, and I mean, you have it, next thing you know, it's gone, and you don't know what to do, and you're tired and you're worn out, can I just tell you right now, dig another well. I said dig another well. Because that's how you're going to find what God has for you in your life. Some of you need some uncommon faith, some extreme faith. Some of you need to dig another well. You need to remember the verse we read this morning, I'm a rewarder of those who diligently seek me. That means you've got to persevere when it doesn't look good, when it seems like God has disappeared, when he's not there. You know, I found out that God is not just the God of the 11th hour. He's the God of the 12th hour. He's the God of the next day. You see, we're all caught up in the day of miracles. You know, there's no such thing as a day of miracles, but there is such thing as the God of miracles. I think of a man that was retired. He was, um, he had a, if you're older than 50 years old, we called them filling stations. Anybody know what a filling station is? Don't raise your hand because you're telling people you're old. It's a gas station. It was like a country gas station. And this man lived above this country gas station. And he made meals. It was kind of out in the middle of nowhere. And when people came through there, he had like a little place where they could sit down. And he would, you know, he'd feed them. They would buy dinner or lunch or something. Well, he finally got to where he couldn't really run the gas station anymore, but he had a recipe that he perfected. And he couldn't live on Social Security. It just wasn't enough for him to be able to survive. And so he went on the road going to restaurants, showing him the recipe and trying to get them to buy this recipe. And he went to one restaurant and five restaurants and ten restaurants. They all turned him down. They went to a hundred restaurants, which I'm sure took him months to get to the right people. They turned him down, went to 200, went to 500 restaurants, was told no. Went to 800, went to 900, went to 1,000 restaurants and was told no. 
But on the thousand and seventh restaurant, they bought his recipe. He became famous and wealthy. You know, his name was Harlan Sanders. You know him as the colonel. Because he persevered in the midst of adversity. And he never gave up. Are you getting this? Let me give you the third and last thing. Declare. First of all, you've got to determine to fight to the end. You've got to decide to persevere beyond any adversity. And three, you have to declare, I've lived on this mountain long enough. I've had enough. I've lived on this mountain long enough. God's people had come out of Israel. Moses was leading them. They were there at Mount Horeb. Had been there for quite a while. And God said in Deuteronomy 1, verse 6, He said, you have dwelt long enough on this mountain. And why did God say that? Because that wasn't where God intended them for them to be. He wanted to take them to the promised land. He wanted to take them to another level. He wanted to take them up another notch. He said, you've lived on this mountain long enough. You've lived this ordinary life long enough. He said, but I've got something better for you. You know, there comes a time where you have to move beyond your comfort. You've got to move beyond what's familiar, what's convenient. You've got to move beyond that if you want to experience the kingdom of God. You've got to move beyond where your faith has already been. There comes a time when you have to stretch your faith a little farther. You know where God was sending them when he said, you've lived on this mountain long enough? He, was, he wanted them to cross the Jordan River, which was at low tide, if I'll just use that term. I mean, you could just, it was hardly any water in the river. They could just walk across it, no problem. And all they had to do was walk across the river and receive the blessing. But instead, they decided that mountain living was better than promised land living and ended up with wilderness land living. And that's where they died. Now, God has promised land living for you. Maybe you're satisfied with mountain land living. But you're going to end up in the wilderness land and die. And you'll blame God. To move out of their comfort, they had to do something extreme. They had to cross over into the land of giants, where there were walled cities, where there were obstacles, where there were challenges, where there were problems, where there were enemies, and fight for their promises. But they didn't. That's where most of the church is today. See, we read all these great promises of God, and we are so excited about them. We never get them. We get mad at God. That's because you're still stuck on the mountain. And God is trying to share with you tonight, you've lived long enough on this mountain. Some of you are stuck in the same old place, same old thing, same old problem, same old rut, same old future, same old results. You've been living on the same old mountain, and God is ready to start moving you and pushing you and to take you someplace you've not been yet. I don't know about you. I'm running out of time. I want some of it. Amen. He says, I've come to give you life and life more abundantly. Can you really tell me how to get it? I'm trying to tell you how to get it. God is saying to us today, you dwelt on this mountain long enough, but it's going to take some extreme faith to start moving.
Some of you are stuck and satisfied. Well, that's fine. That's where you want to be. That's fine. Don't complain when you don't have what God promises. But you're stuck. Same, you know, same song, different dance. But God is trying to give you a different song to dance to now. It's a different world now. It's a different era, different dispensation of God. It's not the 70s. It's not the 80s. It's not the 90s. This is the 21st century. I mean, I bought an iPhone 6 last year. I was so 2012. I had an iPhone 4. See, it was time. It was time. It took some faith to spend that money. <laughs> See, it's going to take some faith to take these next steps as a church with this vision. Where you want to go. Where you feel like God is leading these people, these godly, awesome people that come to this house week after week serve in this house, who love God. If you're going to fight for the kingdom of God, you've got to stretch your faith. You've got to stretch your, you've got to stretch your fight. You've got to stretch your future. You've got to get off the mountain and start moving. If you're not experiencing the kingdom of, of God in your life, you have to change what you're doing and declare, I've lived on this mountain long enough. You know, when are you going to get tired of it? When are you just going to say, I'm tired of living this way? I'm tired of having what I don't have. I'm tired of praying about something and never getting it. I'm tired of calling out to God but never hearing His voice. But then not really doing anything, not really moving, not taking your faith to the extreme. I'm going to keep reading here for just a second, Deuteronomy 1. I want to close here in just one moment. When God said, you've been on this mountain long enough, He told them where the next level was. The next level was where the fight would be. Five years they fought to possess that land, by the way. You know, this, this fight, I mean, you get ready to build a building. It sounds fun. It's all exciting. I mean, when you get there, it's going to be unbelievable. It's going to be a fight. It's going to be a fight. There's going to be people that will get tired, discouraged. I mean, I mean I'm just telling you, I know because we built buildings. But, you know, if we right now can set the foundation of what it needs to be, that's not going to happen in this house. Amen? I mean, I'm not saying you're not going to have giants. You won't have challenges. You won't have landmines. You won't have all those kind of things. Because you'll have, the devil's not happy with this church. He's not happy with you. Because you want to change this community. You want to change Alaska. You want to make a difference. You want to go into the world. You're, you're trying to make a difference. You think he's going to lay down and throw out a welcome mat? I don't think so. But God sent them directly to where their enemies were. He said in verse 7, Turn and take your journey and go to the mountains of the Amorites and to the neighboring places in the plain, in the mountains, in the lowland, in the south, on the sea coast, to the land of the Canaanites and to Lebanon, as far as the great river, the river Euphrates. He said, see, I have set the land before you. He said, go in and possess it. You know, the kingdom of God suffers violence, and the violent go and take it. They begin to possess it. They begin to seize it. That's what he was telling them to do. It does, it's not ordinary and common faith that does it. He said, the land which the Lord swore to your father, to Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and to give to them their descendants after them. And I spoke to you at that time, saying, I alone am not able to bear you. The Lord your God has multiplied you, and here you are today as the stars of heaven in multitude. And may this Lord God of your fathers make you a thousand times more numerous than you are and bless you as, as he has promised you. That's the next level. That's the next level of this church. That's the next level of your life that God is going to bless you as he promised. But it's going to be only found in the fight. 
It'll only be found in the challenge. It'll only be found in the opposition. It'll only be found in the movement. It'll only be found in the, in the obstacles that are before you. It's not found in little faith, but in extreme faith. Five times Jesus said, five times Jesus said, Oh, ye of little faith. These were men that followed him everywhere he went who were afraid they were going to drown, wouldn't have enough, money, uh, have enough money to buy anything to eat. They were in great storms where fear was causing them to sink, all these kind of things. Oh, ye of little faith, he said. Little, puny, flimsy, insignificant faith never rises to victory, to the challenge. It's only the extreme faith that does it. Some of you have lived long enough on this mountain. And I don't know what your mountain is right now. Maybe an affliction. Maybe lack. God's not the God of lack. Maybe it's discouragement, despair, darkness, oppression. You know, mountain living has turned into wilderness living because you won't have extreme faith to seize the promised land living. Tonight you ought to say, that's enough. I'm not going to live this way anymore. I don't care how long it takes. Lord, I'm taking it to the next level. I'm going to the next level. I'm hoping... I'm praying that what I'm just sharing with you tonight will somehow stir you, ignite you, and fan into flame that old smoldering ember that's burning the eyes of God called your faith that's smoking instead of full of flames. You know, I like to camp out, and I hate a smoky fire, don't you? I, feel, I, like, I like the smell of smoke. I think it's a good men's cologne, personally. But I don't like it when it gets in my eyes. It burns them. Is your faith burning the eyes of God to where he's trying to turn away and get away from it? Or is your faith being blown into a fire that gets God-sized results? The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent... Men seize it by force as a precious prize. A share in the heavenly kingdom is sought with the most ardent zeal and intense exertion. I want to encourage you tonight, not give up. Don't you give up. I'm telling you, the devil tempts me all the time to give up. Just lay down, just forget about it. It's not going to happen. I, I just decided a long time ago I'm going to my grave, fighting, kicking, pushing, shoving, whatever it takes. To get across that finish line. That's what I'm going to do. Don't, don't surrender the dream to your lazy faith. To your lost faith. To your unrepaired faith. Tonight, make a decision. That you're going to take it to the next level. Come on, somebody. That's a good word tonight, don't you think? Hallelujah. Do you really want it? Would you like to see what you're praying for? Would you really like to see it in your lifetime? Would you like to see God move? Would you like to see your car paid off, your truck paid off? Would you like to get out of debt and not have a house payment? Come on, somebody. Would you like to see your husband or wife saved? Your kids doing right, behaving themselves? But you know, that's not going to happen by just having some ordinary faith and whining to God. It's going to come when you say, Lord, I know what you said. And I believe what you said. And I'm going to live like it. I'm going to act like it. I'm going to talk like it. 
And I'm going to trust you. Father, in the name of Jesus in this house, those who are watching around the world, Lord, or watching perhaps online, I'm praying right now that you would somehow stir us and challenge us to go to the next level. Lord, we don't want to have ordinary, plain, common faith. We want to have the uncommon, the unnatural kind of faith that causes mountains to move, the lame to walk, and the blind eyes to open. Lord God, that causes the windows of heaven to open up to us. Lord, tonight in Jesus' name, we're asking you to help us to have something that's extreme, something that's beyond what others have. Lord God, that we would have an extreme faith because you're ready to take us to another level. And that's going to require us to have another level of faith in Jesus' name. While you're still in an attitude of prayer, some of you say, well, I don't know if I can ever have extreme faith. Are you saved tonight, by the way? Let me ask you, are you saved? You know, if you're saved, you've already had extreme faith. I mean, to, to be able to say, I'm a sinner, and I'm going to call out to a God I've never met, never seen, never shook his hand, and I'm going to believe that he washes away all my sins, I get to start again. That's extreme faith. You've already had it one time. And if you had it once, you can have it again. So don't tell me you can't have extreme faith. If you're saved, you've already gotten it at least once. Now God's trying to stir you up and fire you up and, and blow upon you that old smoldering ember of faith in your world. He's ready right now. Father, we're ready. Begin to blow your mighty wind upon these, these simmering, these, these smoking embers, Lord God. Blow us into a flame of fire, Lord God, that we will begin to seize, Lord God, your promises. We'll seize, Lord God, what you said we could have. Lord, that we would not talk about the abundant life. We'd live the abundant life. Lord, we'd overcome enemies. We'd be set free from distractions. Lord God, that darkness would lift off our lives. Lord, that we would walk in the light and the power and the joy. Lord God, the kindness of God, that we would experience the kingdom of God and, and your righteousness peace and joy because the kingdom of God suffers violence and Lord we're going to be the violent ones who are going to obtain it, grab it and have it in Jesus name hallelujah while you're still praying, if you're here tonight and you're not right with God, it'll never happen if you've never given your life to Christ it'll not happen, you know I keep thinking about this I saw something on television, one of these car shows where they were buying this car that was rusted, it was up in the weeds about this high and this guy sees this car up in there but he didn't see the rust, he saw a gem, he saw beauty he saw something of value and sometimes in our life we kind of get off track look I know how easy it is for us to have that happen to us, we get distracted in life and next thing you know we jump the curb, jump the ditch. We get off in the weeds. We get stuck. You see, the Holy Ghost tonight, He's just pulled up near you. And He's got His cable and His winch with a big hook on the end. He's ready to hook it up to your bumper and pull you out. He just needs for you to say yes. You're the owner. He just needs for you to say yes to Him. And he'll winch you out of that mud and winch you out of that junk that you're in. And he'll put you back on the road, the right road, and point you down the right direction. Is that you tonight? You never expected to be up in the weeds somewhere. You never expected to have a rusted spiritual life. You never expected to be in the ditch somewhere stuck. But you find yourself there. If that's you, would you have enough extreme faith to stand up 
say, that's me. I'm not afraid, not ashamed. I'm off in the weeds somewhere. Just stand up. I want to pray for you. I want to see if you have any extreme faith. Amen. Amen. Look at this. Amen. Look at these men and women right here. Come on. Come on, Holy Ghost. Come on, keep standing if that's you. Stand if that's you. Don't be afraid. Don't be ashamed. Listen, really all of us probably should stand, but you're the ones who are saying, I'm first. I'm standing up. I'm not waiting on anybody else because I want to be extreme. Oh, you just wait to see what God's going to do for you. Father, here are your precious people. Lord, they're standing up saying, I'm not ashamed. I don't care what people think about me. I'm not living the old life I once lived. Holy Ghost, I give you permission. Put that hook on my back bumper. Pull me out of the weeds. Come on, see the Holy Spirit beginning to winch you out of that mud, winching you out of that ditch, getting you back on that right road. Father, begin to pull them out right now in Jesus' name. Begin to set them free. Start their engine, Lord God. Fill up their gas tank, Lord God. Rev that engine one more time. And Lord, point them in the right direction. Hallelujah. Come on, Jesus. You can do it right now in Christ's name. Lord, we pray that you'll receive us right now. We stood up because we need you. We know we failed. We've messed up. We've disappointed you tonight. Lord, we stand in acknowledgement with great faith, extreme faith. You are well able to forgive us tonight. We proclaim that we're free. Tonight we proclaim, Lord God, we're free. We're free. We're free. Whom the Lord sets free is free indeed. Come on, somebody. Give God praise for what he's doing tonight in Jesus' name. Come on, stand up on your feet. Spirit touch you right now. He's brooding over us right now. He's touching people. Come on, it's miracle moments right now. Break it out.
that signs and wonders follow the preaching of the Word of God. You've heard a message on faith. I believe God's going to release a gift of faith to you right now. You want to go to the next level. You want to fulfill the reason that you're breathing, the reason that you're in the earth. Come to the front. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. Quickly come. You're saying, I'm going to the next level. I'm going to move forward in faith. I'm not going to shrink back as some other custom of doing
Spirit's filling people all across this place. If you've never been filled with the Holy Spirit, He wants to fill you right now. Just invite Him right now. Just let Him speak through you sounds and syllables. Just to lift your voice. Be filled right now in Jesus' name. Be filled right now. You need the power of the Holy Spirit. Radical faith. You need the power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit, come and fill your people tonight.
Come, Holy Ghost, 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 come. We want you, we need you. Holy Ghost, come, 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 Holy Ghost. Find a seat for a moment. Very important part of the service before we close. Let's bless the man and the woman of God. Let's bless them tonight. Amen. Well, you're right. It was a shouting word. Amen. Glory to God. You know, as you're preaching and even, even in the altars, I've found the greatest breakthrough with the gifts of the Spirit, the power of God. When I've taken risk, I just step out. Faith is sometimes spelled R-I-S-K. I've taken risk. Come on, it had to be something for Peter to get out the boat. It had to be something for Jehoshaphat. Sometimes we're waiting on God, and I understand that in prayer. We're waiting on God. We're waiting on God. They're waiting on God. I think God's waiting on us sometimes. <laughs> Do something crazy this week. Just obey his word. That's crazy. Come on, do what he says. Lay hands on the sick. What if they don't get healed? What do they do? Take a step of faith. Get out of the boat. We're going to change the state. I said, we're going to change the state. I believe the body of Christ is going to impact America. It ain't over yet. 
it ain't over. I think we're headed for the, the fullness of the Gentiles still. I think we're headed for the greatest revival we have ever seen. Might come at, might come at some personal costs. Ushers, would you come? Thank you for the marvelous gift that we have received in the wearers tonight. What a marvelous gift to the body of Christ. What a special gift to me and my wife and to this beautiful congregation of people that you've gathered. I thank you, Lord, that there'll come a day where you be standing in that brand new pulpit, Lord. That new, that new building that will be up there on the hill. And that, that, that won't be the end of is yet to come. That's nothing compared to what you're going to do in the days, weeks, and years. Should you tarry, God, what you're going to do in a generation of people, what you're going to do in the homes, of the lives, the people that are part of this house, what you're going to do in the body of Christ, what you're going to do in the nation, what you're going to do in the nations of the earth, what you are causing people's hearts to turn, the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers, let you strike the earth with the curse. You're pouring out your spirit. You said, God, that you would do it. And Lord, we stand upon your word for all of your blessings and your promises. Use this couple in a mighty way. Do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond all they could even ask or think. Bless this gift as we sow it. Seed as we sow it. Prosper it to them as well as to the giver. In the name of Jesus, amen.
Take someone by the hand. Mike, why don't you come and close us? Amen. Come on, pray for the person on your right, person on your left. Come on, if you're on, you're online, just make a connection through the computer or something. Come on. Let's pray tonight. Father, we thank you, Lord, for a tremendous word tonight. Lord, a word that has invoked our faith to go to the next level. We pray that every single person that was here tonight, every ear that was here to hear, God, that you would increase in them their faith. Give them a greater gift of faith in their life. Lord, that as they leave tonight, that this word would go with them. Lord, that they would not leave it here, that they would not leave the same. But God, they would be changed, Lord. They would be encouraged and strengthened in their life. Father, we pray that you'd lift up your countenance towards them. Be gracious to them. Keep them and give them peace. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. See you Wednesday. Holy Ghost night. Don't miss it. Hallelujah.